This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Murder Chronicles. I'm the producer, Brandon Morgan, here, as always, with our illustrious writer, narrator, host, and creator, Carolyn Sorio. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brandon. You know how you were dreading um, last week's? I feel like we're just going to go back and forth on who dreads it the most. Yeah, no, I dread this one as well. I think... um, (laughs) I overdid, I overdid my dread on the last one because of how terrible this one is. Um, but, uh, but the good thing about this one is how quickly he was caught. Right. Right. Because if, if, if there was ever anyone that needed to be off the fucking streets instantly, it's Spillman. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I love in the beginning, you kind of got to, got, got way ahead of any of the the criticisms that we might get for even giving this guy a voice or hearing his voice and saying like, here's why. Well, one, we know that the true crime audience has very little kind of discernment when it comes to creepy stories, that they like creepy stories. I get it. But that aside, it's, it's, I think it's very, very important, um, as you said, to be able to see what some of the signs are early on, because this motherfucker had every single one of them like every every single one except maybe he didn't remember being molested as a kid and that's usually kind of front and center and that doesn't mean that he didn't he just doesn't remember i mean i'm just like you know listeners can't see me but my head is bobbing up and down because like (laughs) yeah like last week where there was like there were they had no history this guy is like absolutely um, and, and I think that that was one of the reasons that made me um, want to do this is because I feel like people are always like, why, how, what signs can we see? And this guy had every single one, you know, and, and I think that it's, although it's painful to hear and painful to unpack, it it is truly terrifying. Like so many times when we cover these cases and we ask the why, and I feel like listening to the interview, it's not, it's not giving him a platform. Although I think people, some people might see that as that it's, it's basically saying, this is how someone like this thinks and, and look out, you know, because there are things that you can actually see to in your own practical life, you know? Yeah. And, and I, something that I couldn't stop thinking about as I was listening to listening to this episode um and I I know you didn't do it on purpose right but it felt like it was a a little bit of an indictment of the criminal justice system because this guy was still allowed like to be out there after all of the shit that he had done right including doing a year for rape now I'm not saying that you put rapists away forever I, I get I get punishment fitting the crime and all that but the fact that he was able to get out and then not have to wear like a, a neon sign, right? Saying what what his proclivities are. And then he winds up being able to ingratiate himself into the home of a single mom with four fucking kids. Yeah. You know, like that. I've, and, and knowing all of the other shit that he had done from exposing himself 
right? To breaking and entering to all of these homes, you know, to, to get food and to get money, but it turned into a sexual thing for him, right? Like being right by where the people were sleeping and stealing women's underpants and stuff. I mean, the guy, like, uh, he's like a textbook psychopath serial killer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was not my intent to do that. My mm. intent was that, you know, when he's a minor, you know, you seal these things and that's a protection, you know, and that's just right. the system, right? And 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 so then all of these things that he did, it, it's just kind of like, how could they possibly know? You can't read someone's mind. And he was so like, what was going on in his head? The average person would never have imagined that he would be thinking this. Wow. So but, I mean, but you're, go ahead. let me just set this up, not to cut you off, but like this case. Please. Yeah. So I wasn't going to cover this case. I'd, I'd found out about it, you know, a couple of years ago. And I reached out to the um, one of the investigators working the case and they were like, let me think about this because this hit this community so hard. And, you know, I, I just, I got to think about it. And I was like, absolutely. And so in the meantime, I was getting documents from where I thought it had taken place because you know how we were always talking mm -hmm. about different jurisdictions and all of that stuff. And so then he came back, he's like, you know what, I'm sorry. There's, there's, you know, the family really doesn't want to talk about this and doesn't want me to talk about it. And I was like, okay. And so I kind of just dropped it because what I had gotten back in my disclosure request, um, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't jibe. You know, I was like, you know what, I'm letting this yeah. go. I'm, just let, I'm walking away from this because this is really dark shit, really, really. And then I was watching something with my husband and this case came up and it was the, and it was the family that was, his Spillman's family that was revealing all, you know, the insider uh, look into their, to this case. And I was like, oh, well, they're clearly talking about this and this case isn't going away. And even though it wasn't the families that, you know, it was his family talking about it, you know, clearly there's a platform and people are going to hear this story. Right. And so then I right, reached right. out to the, um, a different investigator and I said, hey, I just saw this. Is this something? What, what do you think about this? And he was considering talking to me because he was worried that there, there could be a chance that Spillman could one day get out of prison. You know, if, if he gets transferred to a jail in a different state. And so the people that are family members wouldn't know that he was necessarily transferred. And then, you know, the whole thing out of sight, out of mind. Um you know, and it's really expensive to house these criminals, you know, these real, these, you know, you have to put them in a separate yeah. place and it's like super expensive. And so anyway, that's why he was thinking about talking with me. And so he's like, well, let me reach out to the family member and we're really tight. And, you know, this was super traumatizing for us all. And, um, and I'll think about it. And I was like, okay. And so then I, that's when I started going down to, cause basically they have these um, files archived in the um, Washington State Archive. And that's like, it's in Ellensburg, which is about two hours from my house. And so I was like, okay, let me let me see what they have. So that's when I went out there and, and just, I didn't realize that Bob Keppel, who's like very well known as a profiler, worked on the Ted Bundy case, worked on the Green River case. And um, I started listening to these tapes 
And I've got to tell you, I just was like, <sighs> yeah, you know? And so then I drove back to my house, two hours back, two hours there, two hours back. And I'm sitting here by myself in my car, you know, I've got my music, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, we're not really alone that much. I don't know about you. You have kids, you know, family and mm -hmm. everything, but I was like sitting with this for like, not only had I just listened to these tapes and there's hours and hours and hours and hours of them. I only got through like, you know, maybe like four of them. And as I'm listening, I'm also going through these files and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is just more than I can manage. Right. So I'm just driving home and, and the landscape is like both beautiful and kind of stark. It's like rolling hills. And, and, and it was just like that it started raining. And it was like, I was like white knuckling it. And I mean, it was just, I felt like it was on this odyssey of like, can I, am I, do I even want to do true crime? This is why am yeah. I doing this in my head? Why am I doing this? Right. And, um, I mean, it got really bad, Brandon. There was even photos of him naked, mm -hmm. like when they arrested him. And I'm looking at these photos and I'm about ready to throw up, like seriously. Like, I'm like, why am I putting this guy into my head? And and then his handprints were these really like, and you know how he thought he was like a werewolf. And, and I was like looking at this huge hand and I was imagining what he did to these people, what these hands did, right? Uh-huh. And and so, you know, it just was like one of those um moments of like what am I doing? You know? And where did that obviously you wound up getting through that and realizing, yeah. you know, what your work is and how your work helps and and uh and you know, we're all lucky for that, but I <laughs> I get it. I get it because I mean, from, from our side, from a, from a production side, uh, I remember when this script first came in and um, when we were developing the show still, and uh, my boss asked me, so where are we with, with murder Chronicles and what, how, you know, how's the next script? I heard it's a two-parter. And this is a guy who has a massive appetite for risk when it comes to creativity. Okay. Like basically he tells us just go take big swings, just go, go, go. Go, go, go. And I went, there's some stuff in this that we might not want to include. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, this guy's a psycho more so than, than any other. And real time on a Zoom meeting, I say, just Google, Google the werewolf butcher and you'll see what I'm talking about. And, uh, and he did. And he went, uh, okay, yeah, we're going to, we, we got to make some edits, right? Yeah. Because there's just some, there, it turns out there is a line. Okay, of decorum or of is it necessary? And I'm not saying this to get people listening right now to go and Google stuff. Normally, it's a ruse to get you to go Google stuff, but this isn't one of them. You mm -hmm. really don't need to, you know, read about it or you know, to of what this, of what this. I I don't even want to call him a guy or a man. I don't even want to normalize him. What this kind of monster like did to his victims, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, so that was one of them. That, that, that was a, you know, and, and the fact that this became a two-part episode, right, uh, is, is inexplicable and also necessary. Like, if it's, if, if it's a case that we're so just horrified by, why make it two episodes? But it's important because of just all of the little, the, the, the little subtleties in the case and how he was caught and why he was caught and, 
and why it's impossible to ever let this guy get out of jail. Right. So I think the coverage, the coverage that, that, that you're granting it is, is, is necessary. But so going back to, I mean, the, the, the questions about this guy start right in the beginning. Like why change his name? Why Jack? You know, not short for Jonathan or John or anything. Like, Jack, I want to be Jack Spillman the third. So that's kind of weird out of the gate. Well, it's like, um, it's, then, kind of, it's, it's, it's like grandiose. Like he's not yeah. just Jack Spillman. He's <laughs> it's like the third. the third. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's it's strange that there's a really interesting story that, that he told that kind of stood out for me when he was probably early teens. That girl told him, meet me out by the bleachers and she never showed up. It was like a joke. Right. That's. And that's why what made me want to do this case is things mm. like that. Details yeah. like that, where it's like yeah. these guys, it really sets it up where. They are not, if you mess with them, I wrote this down here, get even mentality against women and oh, the yeah. hatred that he had for girls and women and, and how crazy yeah. it is. That girl, Belinda said, right. meet me on the bleachers. <laughs> I mean, can't you imagine doing this when you're just a punk, you sure. know? It happened to me. Like, a girl did it to me. I went, oh. I just, it just hurt my feelings. It embarrassed me for a minute. And then I went right. and watched and play video games. And I was fine. <laughs> I know. Right? But yeah. that is not what these guys do. No. Okay. So, so, so that was super powerful. And that he would bring up Belinda all these years later, even when he's behind bars and, and like from this is like ninth grade, you know? And, and, and then, you know, it's like he's taking his rage against Belinda out on on his victims. So it's just yeah. really like crazy to think about. And then somewhere along the way, which I'm sure a team of psychiatrists somewhere would <laughs> would really dive into. Mm -hmm. He came up with this avian proxy for women. OK, that lasted like into his into his adulthood. This is a bird. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to have sex with it because he's a fucking whack job. Right. And then later on at the end of episode one, when he's in that interview, why do you call women birds? Well, because that's what I, I observe them. Right. I observe women. Like I observe birds. I kill women. Like I could, I find, so like right around that time, the Belinda kind of fiasco, um, he starts acting out these terrible, terrible fantasies on birds. Yeah. And then, and then when he said, I observe them like birds, mm. you think of a bird watcher and you think of what yeah. he's doing and we all just kind of go about our days. I mean, like, yeah, you just think about like, oh yeah, you go shopping and you, um, you know, whatever. And someone pulls out in front of you and, and, and you might flip them off because you're having a bad day yourself. And then this guy, this is the guy. Yeah. Who we'll write your women. license plate down. Right. <laughs> And he's right. going to follow you. <laughs> and we'll follow you and we'll find you and we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. See, but the, even that though, Carolyn, that makes it like he never went after Belinda. Right. Right. Like, he didn't go back and find Belinda. It just every woman became Belinda or some mm -hmm. version of Belinda, like later on. Right. Like, yeah. like poor, this poor girl, Penny and, and her, and her mom, and they're up there in the fucking woods and away from everything. And 
she lets this guy move in and he sleeps naked. Like who doesn't know like what's going on in your house? Right. Like I get it. We're busy. We're all of that. But, but to, to, to not like, and, and the way that he said it, he was like, and no one realized I wasn't helping the boys with their homework. I wasn't helping the boys when I was helping the girls do stuff. I was helping the girls do stuff. Right. And the one girl who was an introvert and the one girl who was an extrovert, like, if I said something to the expert, she would go tell her mom. But if I said mm-hmm. something to another girl, she wouldn't tell her mom. Like all of that, right? Like either he was really sly, which is difficult maybe to believe, but I I, I shouldn't really discount whatever level of intelligence he has. Um, uh, but for for that to get to get past the eye of a parent, that's that's really oh man, that scares me. Really, really scares me. It makes I- me think, what am I missing? I mean, I totally can see that. I saw that playing out like as I was listening to him and I, and I could see, you know, busy mom, she's got four kids. She's like telling this kid right. to do this and this one to do that. And, and then, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, and he was quiet, but it sounds like, you know, he, you know, he flew under the radar and even, you know, his family yep, exactly. didn't want to believe what he was up to and, and, and just kind of the, the, the slow roll of it all. Right. Like, oh, well, first man. it's like sitting on the lap and then, it, and, and I just feel like, you know, Oh my gosh. Right. Right. Oh. Yeah. So, so, so I feel like it's, I could just picture this mom trying to make a better life for herself. And she did, yep. she got them out there and she was like the moxie and like, I'm going to get this property. And, and I could totally see getting snowed by someone like this because Absolutely. he had, he had a he had a process and more than that, you know, Carol, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but he had a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. He had a girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes him trustworthy. Well, right. oh, okay. Someone else trusts him enough to mm-hmm. be in a relationship with him. I guess he's safe. Like I totally get it. And he and he played on all of that shit. Yeah. And 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 I'll tell you, and I think because there are more episodes that we have than people are aware of right now so i almost i think eight um and of these first eight the 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 the, the scariest thing happened in this episode right the craziest thing for me um that he put the girl on his shoulders i knew that was gonna be away. tough for you when he walked away mm-hmm. so the dogs so there were no tracks for the dogs right now that that's what that, i'm saying brandon the cunning yeah the cunning. that's devious that is totally. devious and it, and it reminded me of well um uh stephen king book the green mile do you ever read the green mile mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and they think it was john coffee that did it but you find out much later it was billy the kid that did the, the, the character billy the kid um very who's in a very similar way to this the book was what 90 90 i wonder if king's this was 94. What, when was the, when was Penny murdered by uh, Stillman? She was murdered. Uh, I'm sorry. She was murdered. Um, hold on a second. I actually wrote this down in September, 1994. Okay. So King wrote Green Mile. And I, th- I think it came out in 96. And okay. so there's a chance that he, I mean, cause it's very, very similar. It's a remote house. It was like a, 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 a young male drifter who was uh, welcomed into the home and he ingratiated himself to the young girls and blah, blah, and all that and made off with them. Right. And brutally, brutally murdered. So I wouldn't be surprised if King was inspired by this, but, but, but anyway, what I'm saying is that 
using her trust against her, right? And making it fun. I'm going to put you on my shoulders, right? And drive you away. And he said something very, very chilling because she kept asking like, where is it? Where is it? Where's the car? He goes, and then he said something in there where he goes, and that's when she realized that that she was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, he, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, he and and that's what he. Th- that's another thing that I I got it in a in a real way of like what these guys and their motivations are, which is mm-hmm. he's getting off on the fear. Like yeah. I never fully understood that completely. In this episode, yeah. I I totally like it's the flashing thing. Remember, he's like the flasher. Yep. And then he's on the bus and he's looking because we're taught to think yeah. flashers are embarrassed by what they're doing. You know, like they're no. they're they're I mean, I, I or maybe I won't say we're taught my my feeling. Oh, sure, sure. Has always been like, you know, they're just what are they doing? Like, how is this? Yep. How are you getting off on this? Like, I never really understood what it is. And then from this case, like I fully understand nope. what it he is. He said he's in the back of the bus and wants a reaction. He wants a reaction. And it wants started with, with his sister, with killing yeah. her buddy. He yep. wanted her Want reaction. A reaction. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like, if you want to understand these things and you listen to true crime, because you feel like, you know, you want to better understand how not to be a victim. Like this guy is like textbook. You're going to find Absolutely. out exactly what he's up to and exactly what his motivations are. And, and, and he got off on women's fear, the terror in their eyes, which is. Yeah. And so imagine, so I I don't even want to, Oh my gosh. So what, what you did very, very well in this episode, like really, really well was give us a super clear portrait of the evolution of a, of a lunatic. Okay. Starting with the bunny thing and then going through the, the poor neighbor's cat and then, and the birds and then with the flashing and then the rape and the breaking and entering and stealing women's underpants. And, and all of it was leading up to, you know, his final, his final act, Um, not his final act, singular meaning murder, but his final act, like in terms of a story, right? Like the third act of this awful tragic play was when he actually decides seeing the fear in their faces isn't enough. He wants them to actually suffer and, and die at his, at his torturous kind of hand. And, and so, and he, and he did it and he did it. And, and so this part one of the two episodes, like I just said, is a really um, engaging portrait of, of the evolution of the serial killer. Um, And then, and and now what I would, I'd love to do is, uh, is get to the second part okay? because that's where it starts off really, 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 really bad, but then he gets caught and that makes me yeah. happy. Okay. That made me so happy. <laughs> and, okay. and, and, and that knife that they found, I mean, it's a freaking miracle. Yeah. I, but it, it, these cases need something just like that. So let's sign off for this bonus episode right now. Um, Thank you for listening. And uh, by the time the next episode comes out, you will have the opportunity to subscribe to Cavalry Plus in the Apple Podcasts app, which we hope you do. There will be more information on that coming soon. Uh, For now, 
Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Carolyn. Thank you very much for listening. And the episode, uh, what is it? The second parter, I'm sorry. Um, the second parter is there will be redemption because as you said in the beginning of this, he was caught. And as a result of that, because his hero was Ted Bundy. So we'll get into um, what it meant to catch this guy. And like, and in the meantime, please feel free to email us at murderchronicles at cavalrymedia.com with any questions or comments or cases that you'd love to see uh, examined by Carolyn's journalistic and storytelling eye. Um, so for now, thank you very much. And we will get back to you with uh, episode two of the, I'm sorry, part two of this episode momentarily. The Murder Chronicles is a Cavalry audio production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Our executive producers are Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Josh Windish edited and mixed this episode. Music by Soundstripe. For Cavalry Audio, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.